Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a special Memorial Weekend edition of The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. And again, as usual, joined by my trusty executive director, John Schneider, and our producer, Dazzling Daryl Grandy. Folks, I appreciate you joining in today and listening. This is a special weekend. As a Marine Corps veteran, it means a lot to me because this is a weekend where we remember and we honor those who have fallen in defense of our nation, those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. I ask all of you, while you enjoy this holiday weekend and all the pleasures it brings, the cookouts and other family get-togethers and things of that nature, that you keep in your thoughts and prayers those who have fallen in defense of this nation and their families, who I wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend. Now, in addition to this weekend, this is also the first real edition that we've had where we've had the opportunity to talk about the results of the May 16th primary election here in Allegheny County. While previously we had let you know that from a statewide perspective, our nominees for Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to be Carolyn Carluccio. For Pennsylvania Superior Court, it's going to be Judge Harry Smale from Westmoreland County and Maria Batista from Clarion County. And our candidate for Commonwealth Court is going to be Megan Martin. Here in Allegheny County, we have a full slate, and I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about all of these folks. Our nominee for county executive, Joe Rocky, uh, won handily, and he's here in studio to talk to us a little bit about this in just a couple of minutes. But we also had an entire slate. You know, we ran write-in candidates for both treasurer and controller, and they were very, very successful with both Bob Howard, you know, a former Fortune 500 controller for PPG Europe, and Herb Bollinger, you know, treasurer who's a principal with FOAC, Firearm Owners Against Crime, both receiving over 10,000 write-in votes for their candidacy, and they will then appear on the ballot in November, Herb running for county treasurer and Bob Howard running for county controller. Steve Zapala, a district attorney, received over 9,700 write-in votes on the Republican ticket. So if Steve chooses to run here in November, he has an opportunity to push back against the George Soros-funded public defender candidate, uh, Matt Dugan. From a county council perspective, I want to thank everyone out there who took and placed their trust and, and voted for me for Allegheny County Council at large, as well as those who voted for Suzanne Filiaggi in County Council District 2, Mike Ambrescia in County Council District 5, uh, Sean McGrath in County Council District 6, and Eileen Cunningham in County Council District 11. I want to thank all of you for voting and for supporting your candidates and look forward to your support again and those you're able to help us get out here this November. Now, as I said, I mean, it's very exciting. If you can't detect the excitement in my uh, my voice, maybe it's the medication I'm on, right? But hey, no, seriously, we're joined in studio today by Joe Rocky, our candidate for county executive. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. And let me just uh, take a second and also thank the many individuals who have been impacted by a, a fallen veteran, a fallen soldier uh, on this Memorial Day weekend not just family, but friends of those individuals. They are the reason we can have these conversations. They are the reason we are free and why we can have public debate and mm -hmm. why this nation is what it is. And so for the many, many people impacted by their sacrifice, thank you and our prayers are with you. Thank you, Joe. 
Now, hey, Joe, while we're sitting here talking, results aren't even certified yet, but we know what the results are, okay? You are going to be the Republican nominee for county executive here in Allegheny County, and Sarah Inamorato is going to be the Democratic nominee. Now, as you travel the county and you talk to folks and you ask them to support you for their vote, what are you saying to them who ask, to those who ask, you know, what's the difference between you two? What differentiates you from a position perspective? How do you respond to that? So I'll start, Sam, with just a couple things. So those who've listened to the show and have heard me talk a couple times on it or have just seen me around the county because we are everywhere. And if you haven't seen us, keep your eyes open because we're probably coming to your neighborhood tomorrow. But having said that, you know, we're, we're standing on this is an opportunity to change the trajectory of our county. This is an opportunity to bring prosperity back to Allegheny County. We are about growth. We are about jobs. We are about changing the population decline in our county. We've talked about all the numbers, so we don't need to repeat them here. But fundamentally, this is about a pro-growth environment and leveraging the resources that we have in Allegheny County and selling our county and taking advantage of the opportunity of the onshoring that is occurring because of the pandemic and because companies are bringing back into the United States their supply chain, most importantly, the most critical components of their supply chain, the most technologically advanced components of their supply chain are what they're bringing back to the United States. And we in Allegheny County need to capitalize on that. We need to sell ourselves and we need to be welcoming to those manufacturers and bring those businesses and their supply chains to Allegheny County and bring those jobs to Allegheny County. And the way to do that is to leverage the many resources we have, starting with the natural gas we have under our feet. And so, you know, you talk about differences, I'm about growth, I'm about prosperity, and I'm about leveraging our resources. I am clearly supportive of an environmental agenda. But, you know, President Obama in his 2013 State of the Union address said that natural gas will be the bridge to a cleaner environment. And natural gas, as everyone on this, this, this show recognizes and knows, has been the reason for the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions in the United States over the last 20 years. And so, in Western Pennsylvania, we need to capitalize and sell the greatest asset we have, which is the natural gas. And back to your fundamental question, what are the differences? You know, my opponent has said very clearly they will ban fracking in Allegheny County. And then they've added to that that they will use the health department to reduce the current extraction of natural gas in Allegheny County. And I just think that that is a death nail to the future of our county. And Joe, what I don't understand is folks try to paint Republicans as not caring about the environment. When we do care about the air and the water, you know, in our environment, but we also recognize that there's no wall between Pennsylvania or Allegheny County in Ohio. There's no wall between the United States and China. So it makes so much sense for us to take and bring jobs back here. When we talk about Allegheny County having lost 50,000 jobs recently, to bring jobs back here by onshoring some of this supply chain that you're talking about and taking and doing this manufacturing with clean natural gas as opposed to allowing it to continue to take place in China, India, and elsewhere where they're using coal. I mean, we, by doing the things that you're suggesting, we are taking care of the environment and we are reducing our carbon emissions. You would think people would get behind that. Sam, I think you've said it very, very well. You know, the environment is a worldwide challenge. And anything that we can do 
that reduces carbon emissions worldwide is what will give us a greener planet. And so Allegheny County's part is to leverage the reliable, clean, natural gas that we have to reduce carbon emissions worldwide. And that's exactly what will happen. And by the way, along the way, we'll create really good family-oriented jobs with good pay and lifetime opportunities and create the future for the people of Allegheny County and their children and grandchildren and allow them to stay here. And so it truly is a unique opportunity for us uh, that's in front of us. And, and while we're on natural gas, mm-hmm. Sam, let me ask you a question, because I, I think this is really important. You know, across Western Pennsylvania, we have either converted all of our coal fire plants to natural gas, or we're on our way to converting. So within the next couple of years, almost every piece of electricity in Allegheny County will be produced by natural gas. And so here's my question. Do we want to buy that natural gas from Ohio, from West Virginia, from Kentucky? Or do we want to use our own natural gas and create jobs in Allegheny County? We're going to use the natural gas. We've converted the plants to use natural gas. Our future is greener because we've done that, right? We're not suddenly going to turn off our lights. So, Sam, where would you rather the natural gas come from, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia? Or right here in Allegheny County? Well, I think as an elected official in Allegheny County, I recognize the opportunity that this presents, and I recognize the need to take and utilize the resources that we have here in Allegheny County. You know, Joe, when they talk about this, they never come up with answers as to how they're going to take and replace the money that the royalties from natural gas drilling at the airport, you know, which are being used to service the debt on the new airport terminal modernization project, would be paid for. They never talk about how they would replace the monies which came from the drilling that took place not in, but underneath Deer Lakes Park, which has funded so many of the improvements that we've been able to make in the last 12 years in our parks, where how that money will be replaced, okay? You know, we're going to be facing some significant challenges. And one of the things that I've been impressed by you, Joe, I'm not just saying this as a candidate, is that you're not afraid to lay out specific policy solutions, things that you actually plan on doing, instead of talking and platitudes that just make everybody feel good, but that just don't say anything. And we'll talk more about that uh, later. But so what else do you have that differentiates you? So, so another differentiation is, you know, of course, everyone knows that crime is a real challenge for our city. And so, you know, my opponent has been very clear that she is opposed to reopening a juvenile rehabilitation center. And I will just say here very clearly, one, I don't think we should ever closed it. And two, I think Rich Fitzgerald is doing the right thing in reopening the rehabilitation center. What that facility does is it allows our judges to decide with all options available to them what the best disposition of a situation with a juvenile is. And, you know, in some instances, that's giving them an ankle braces. In other instances, it's taking them out of the environment that has created whatever situation that led to what they did, um, you know, and, and putting them in a place where they have a chance to, for lack of a better term, have a pause, reset, and understand the consequences of the actions that they've taken. And so, I passionately believe that we need to reopen the Juvenile Rehabilitation Center. And again, back to the differences, my opponent has said she is against reopening the Juvenile Rehabilitation Center. So that's another very stark difference, and it goes right into a place where I think we have real challenges in the county, which is crime. And and while that's important, Joe, and, and I'm a big believer that we need to do this, 
because that's what the communities are crying out for. I mean, just this past Wednesday in Allegheny County, we had one 15-year-old shoot another 15-year-old to death on the steps of Oliver High School. Okay, if we don't have a detention center, where do we send these kids? A couple weeks ago, we had a number of juveniles who beat a 52-year-old man almost to death in downtown Pittsburgh on Smithfield Street. They were back out on the street because there was no place to send them while he was still on the operating table. You know, we desperately need a detention facility to hold these folks until the judges can make a decision on where to take and place them. You know, and your opponent has no answer to any of that. She says that not only does she not want to open up Schumann Center, but she also doesn't believe, quote unquote, we should have any children in jail. Now, that makes you think when you think of children, we're talking about toddlers or elementary age children. But there are people that are under the age of 18 that are killing people, that are raping people that are committing heinous crimes here in our community, where and what, where are we supposed to send them? And what are we supposed to do if we don't have the option to be able to take and detain these people until the courts can hear these cases and make the appropriate decisions? Yes, Sam, I believe that at the end of the day, you have to give the courts the options given the situations that have occurred. And the fact that a group of teens would attack a 52-year-old man, and that that was okay for our county, and that was okay that they got sent right back home, is just flat-out scary. And everybody listening to this conversation should be scared themselves, right? You know, we wonder why we're struggling with getting people to go back to downtown Pittsburgh. It's because we're not doing the right things. And so to not have a place to place people to separate them from the environment that's causing them to act and behave the way they're acting and behaving is a mistake. Now, having said all that, one thing my opponent will talk about, and I just want to say I agree with her, we should be spending a little bit more money on the things that might be causing these that are embedded in the environments, right? So where poverty is a challenge, where there's health care issues in the home, where there are things going on in our schools. We should be working on all of that. I'm not saying that it's one or the other. I actually agree. We need to make investments in our communities in such a way that creates hope for people, that creates a future for people. Need I say, now the businessman's coming out to me, see tab one, where I talked about prosperity, right? I mean, that's what you need. We need hope for people so that they're not in this place where they can't see themselves breaking out of where they are, so they turn to criminality and violence as a way for their release. So you have to address what's happened in the individual event. That's where the detention center is necessary. But we also have to create the prosperity and give the bridge to the people who need it until that prosperity starts to show up. No, that, that, that's excellent. So we've touched on you know, how you're going to do things from an economic perspective, where you've talked about you'll travel, you'll talk to over 100 companies, you know, and to try to convince their executives on an executive-to-executive type basis to relocate facilities or build facilities here in Allegheny County to reshore much of the supply chain that we know has to come back. I mean, we saw during the 2020 pandemic how all the PPE was coming out of China. We, we discovered that over 85% of our antibiotics, you know, were manufactured in China. You know, we're seeing right now with our chips, okay, 
how an interruption in that disrupted our manufacturing and sent prices for products such as automobiles, you know, through the roof, okay? Uh, all these things need to come back here. And, and you've been a huge proponent of talking about the advantages that Allegheny County has, you know, when competing with others. Do you want to expand upon some of those today or share some of those well, with I, our listeners? I, I happily will. I mean, I, I think, well, first off, in Allegheny County, the greatest advantage we have is we have a track record of building things, of making things. You know, for all intents and purposes, we were the manufacturing headquarters of America for the last century. And so it's our opportunity to be that again. You know, all the people on the listen to this radio show, they're talented people in this county, very hardworking people in this, in this county. And we're talking about different kinds of jobs, Sam, and I know you know this, but let me say it anyway. You know, this isn't people you know, doing really dirty jobs, shoveling coal into furnaces. These are going to be highly skilled technical jobs that with training, people will be able to deliver. This is going to be using, not just making robotics, using robotics to actually produce highly precisioned tools and, and equipment that goes into our cars and goes into our hospitals and is used every day. And having that close to home, that competitive advantage where the innovation creates the tool, and then we make the tool here in Allegheny County. By the way, the innovation's coming out of Allegheny County. We are a thought leader in things like surgical tools, right, with, with our universities. Mm -hmm. And so the opportunity to have the skills to do that here, and we do. So Biggest advantage is our people, but we also should sell the fact that all of this manufacturing requires water. And we know water is a resource that is challenged in almost all of the world, but certainly here in the Southwest. And so the opportunity to bring jobs from the Southwest where water can be an advantage. We have an abundance of water here. And then, of course, back to natural gas. Natural gas gives us reliable, sustainable energy source that is clean and cleaner than wherever these items are being made today. No, that's absolutely. And I think so many folks don't understand what goes into the manufacturing process. You do. And I trust that you have the ability to sell, you know, these advantages that we have against other locations, you know, nationwide. And listen, we do have challenges. If we're asking someone to come to Allegheny County, we still have to do with the state's corporate net income tax. You know, and while they pass something lowering it, it may take a while before they get to the point where we can compete with states who have no corporate income tax or things like that. But as you said, we do. We have a workforce second to none. You know, the people in Western Pennsylvania have an incredible work ethic, and we have, we're blessed with the natural resources of water and natural gas energy that's underneath our feet. You know, that's one of the things we've been trying to do with the airport. You know, under the leadership of uh, Christine Casotis, the chief executive uh, officer of the airport authority, in conjunction with Rich Fitzgerald, you know, we've built a... Um, neighborhood out there we call neighborhood 91 and the idea behind that is we're trying to take and make that you know the epicenter for additive manufacturing in the northeast a wab tech is currently a tenant out there aaron vencia you know the folks have are taking and, and uh, locating there as well and you talked a little bit about something about the natural gas and you said earlier you know would we rather use our natural gas or get it from west virginia or ohio oh i don't know how many people know but you know the pittsburgh international airport is the only airport in the world that is entirely off the grid you know, we built something called a microgrid out there. And the microgrid is powered by a combination of natural gas, which we drill on site there at the airport. And we have over 10,000 solar panels out there. So for the folks who, out there who believe that renewables are the way to go, and, you know, I think that that's a perfect example 
of a bridge solution, you know, where we've been able to combine the two to provide, you know, again, power off of the grid for the airport, okay, and to do it at a very cost-effective price. And the reason why I started with Neighborhood 91 is we took about 3,500 unused acres out there, started to build office buildings and things there. And what we want to do is to try to attract high-tech manufacturing to those locations using the fact that we have the ability to heat, power, and cool those buildings. You know, from that natural gas is a way to provide these folks a low-cost incentive to locate there. You know, and we were hoping or are hoping to attract downstream businesses, you know, from folks that are going to be manufacturing using feedstock potentially from like the cracker plant, which is just up the road. So, I mean, these are the things that we're trying to do that create, you know, very good, well-paying, family-sustaining jobs, okay? And also, it's about taking and not just trying to create, a, ask a company to come here, but asking entire industries to move here, to try to become a, like a Silicon Valley, you know, for additive manufacturing here. So I know that you're, you know, getting into all this, but, and we'll talk about hydrogen hubs and everything else. But Joe, you are certainly positioned, you know, to be a thought leader in this space and to carry on the economic expansion that we're trying to make in this region. So that as you said, I heard you say before, you know, that we should be going to Tampa on vacation and not to visit our grandkids. Yeah, uh, Sam, that's exactly right. That is what we should be doing. And, you know, I just, you know, use the word thought leader. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll tell you what I am. I'm a detailed individual who takes the time to learn and understand. And I don't claim to have every answer, but what I do claim is the ability to learn and understand any situation. And so, so let's use a couple of the things you just talked about. I took time to go out with Christina and her team and understand exactly what we're doing at the airport. So I could understand, by the way, I'm not an expert, but I understand what a microgrid is, and I understand what natural gas is doing for us, and I understand what the solar panels are doing for us and how they're moving us forward. And the Pittsburgh airport not only will be you know, self-sustainable, it's going to be the greenest place in the world. Right. We, we are moving towards, one of the things we're doing is uh, moving towards a cleaner fuel for the planes, which, it, which yep. would be incredibly unique and have a massive impact on greenhouse emissions. And I'm pretty sure quite a few people on this radio show want to travel and they want to get on a plane. But wouldn't it be nice to know I'm flying out of Pittsburgh and the flight out of Pittsburgh is greener and cleaner than it would have been had we not done what we did at the airport. So that's just one example. I've also taken the time to to tour the cracker plant, to understand what we're doing at the cracker plant. And I know there's been some noise around the cracker plant. And, you know, the the team there is working very diligently to make sure they're following all the laws and regulations. And when they don't, they hold themselves mm-hmm. accountable. And mm-hmm. we should hold them accountable. And we are. And, and that's exactly right. But it is an incredible asset for us. It is basically producing the raw material for so many other products to be made. And Western Pennsylvania can benefit from companies that want to build around that plant and leverage what that plant is producing, which fundamentally is advanced plastics that go into many, many, many products and services that you touch every day as a consumer. And equally, I've taken the time to go understand natural gas from the ground up. And so I've taken the time to go and understand the drilling process, the what happens once the drilling's over. By the way, most of the drilling occurs in less than 12 days. Like the, the whole process of getting into the ground and, and creating the flow of natural gas can take 10 to 12 days. And, and you're up and running and all that comes down. And, and now you have a flow of natural gas that will run for 30 years. So I, I've taken the time to understand the science behind it so that I can also talk and sell it. To 
to folks outside of Allegheny County and why they should come here and what the advantages are for them to be here. No, you're spot on. And I think there are so many people out there who don't realize, you know, the benefits that fossil fuels do provide. Many people are against it. But, you know, just some of the products that, uh, you know, fossil fuels are able to provide include things like, you know, adhesives, air mattresses, antihistamines, antiseptics, artificial limbs, artificial turf, deodorant, detergent. I mean, insect repellent. You can go to the energy.gov site from the government and see at least of at least 144 of these things. You know, our iPhones, okay, our eyeglasses, you know, a lot of our clothes, clotheslines, you know, coffee makers, cold creams, combs, computer keyboards and monitors, all of these things use some sort of fossil fuels, you know. So folks need to recognize that we have these benefits. We need to start to use them. Now, hey, folks, I'm going to ask Joe to stick around here to the second segment. We're going to have to take a break. We'll be right back from The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Welcome back, folks, to The Elephant in the Room. You're listening to WJAS 1320 AM. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, and I'm joined here again by Joe Rocky, the Republican nominee for Allegheny County Executive. Joe, we covered a whole bunch of stuff in the first half here of the show. We also talked about, we're talking about some of the things that differentiate you from your uh, opponent. Let me talk a little bit about some of the issues that are coming up or that we have here in the county right now that are front and center and see what some of your thoughts are on those. First, uh, it was announced this past week here that the county is going to be closing the Smithfield Shelter. Now, the Smithfield Shelter was never designed to be a permanent shelter. It's something that was just, it's a winter shelter, okay, to try to provide homeless folks who can't find shelter elsewhere, you know, a place to get out of the weather, you know, during our cold winter months. But that's caused many of our activists, you know, to be up in arms, okay? And I appreciate that. But when we talk about the homeless, you're not just somebody that talks about it. You're somebody that's actually been helping these people, okay? So do you want to talk about, let's start with your work in Saint, on the board of St. Joseph's House of Hospitality. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, do, I'll talk about two for you. So St. Joseph's House of Hospitality is at, at the base of the Hill, the Hill District, uh, Bedford Avenue. Every night, 60 men stay there. It's more of a permanent facility for them. And, you know, they have a place to go and a place to stay. And it gives them peace of mind of having a location. And mm-hmm. so you can see when you're there the calm that that gives an individual when they know they have a bed tonight, they have a place to be in tonight, and allows them to work on the other parts of their lives that they're trying to get organized. So uh, St. Joseph's is a great place. I also was PNC's lead on the building of Second Avenue Commons. And so Second Avenue Commons is the new homeless shelter in downtown Pittsburgh, and it has been open not even a year yet. It's completely full, and it really serves two purposes. One, it is a facility where uh, folks stay permanently as they get their lives back together. But it is also the healthcare draw for all of the homeless. It's the place where you can walk in off the street and get healthcare services for you. You, By the way, there's also, it, it accepts pets and it helps take care of pets. It gives you a mailbox if you're a homeless person so that you have a place to receive mail on a regular basis if you don't have a place to land. And so it's a great facility. It is a low barrier facility, which I know upsets some people, but you need to have a low barrier facility. By the way, a low barrier facility means that you can come in while you are under the influence of something, either alcohol or a drug, but it gives our healthcare system an opportunity to touch you. 
and to impact you and to work with you as you try to get yourself off the street. And so our homeless is a real challenge. I'll tell you one other. I spoke to an individual who does healthcare with the homeless in the street. And she goes around from camp to camp or from person to person and, and offers and gives health care to them, you know, making sure they're taking their medicine, uh, you know, dealing with things that happen, cuts, bruises, whatever it is, and things that go well beyond that. And, you know, what she has told me is that, you know, it is a challenge for the homeless to get settled. The fact that we're closing the temporary shelter at Smithfield, which, by the way, we have closed every year. It stayed open a little bit longer than normal. It usually shuts right. in March. It stayed open a little bit longer than normal. The summer months are when the temporary shelters close and the homeless do go back into the community, which means into the tents and, and things of that nature. Our challenge is to work with them, to help get them back moving forward. That requires a one-on-one relationship. You know, people want to paint the brush of homelessness as all the same thing. It isn't all the same thing. It's every individual end up homeless for their own reasons. And what Allegheny County offers, the Allegheny County Health and Human Services, all of the services of Allegheny County, they're designed to help people at their biggest challenge. And so the homeless need what the Allegheny County team offers. And what we need to do when I am the next county executive, we need to bring those services to the homeless in a way that Second Avenue is doing it, to serve them and help them get back on their feet so that they can start working their way up through the shelter system from Second Avenue to a place like St. Joe's House of Hospitality, to the next step up, which is an apartment on their own, et cetera, et cetera, until they work their way all the way back into being a deeply engaged, functional member of society. See, this is one of the frustrating things for me. As I see activists coming out and they're complaining about the shelter and we need to find homes for these people, okay? I agree we need to be able to provide shelter. But I'm like, why aren't we taking the next step? When we look at the homeless, as you said, you know, there's a variety of reasons why folks are in this position. Why are we not going and meeting with them individually, having caseworkers talk to the folks in these shelters, finding out who they are, where they're from, why they're having these problems? We know that there's so many folks out there, two main causes of homelessness or substance abuse or addiction and mental illness. You know, in a county, in the human services department, we are prepared or positioned to be able to address both of those areas. So why are we not focused on trying to help these people by getting them help and not just by saying, well, you know, folks are up screaming and carrying on. You just need to keep a shelter open. Okay, just keeping the shelter open and not addressing the underlying causes seems to me like you're not fixing the, the problem, just treating the symptom and not curing the disease. I think that's exactly right. I will <clears throat> say this, so I've been told this, so we'll see if it comes true. I've been told that, you know, historically, Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, the homeless on the street were from Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. If you walk down the street and you talk to a homeless individual, I grew up in Dormont, I grew up on the north side, I grew up in Mount Lebanon. That, mm -hmm. You know, that's what they will tell you. That's not the case anymore. Right. We have become a welcome spot for the homeless around the country. And they are coming to Pittsburgh. And by the way, I believe in incredible compassion for any individual who's in a difficult place. L look at my resume and see all the things that I've been involved in in my life. They're all about helping those in need. And so I, I believe that and I will bring that to the county executive seat. That said, I don't know that we need a shingle hanging off the name of our city that says, come here. And by the way, that would be great if we had a process once you got here to lead you out of homelessness, mm -hmm. 
But at this point, we haven't figured that further step out. So Sam, what you're saying is address people's needs, get them back on their feet, get them back engaged in the activities of, of life, right? As opposed to, you know, living day to day, struggling day to day. And so, you know, it's imperative that we do the right thing by those who need us. And that is what the homeless need. But we have to be strategic and thoughtful about how to do it. It isn't just doing one thing. It's doing many things together. No, no, I I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, we need to look at model policies in places like Culver City, California, you know, where they've been able to take and reduce the number of homelessness on their street by ordinances and things that they put in place, which have made them a, uh, has helped them reduce that population significantly, as well as Houston, Texas, you know, where, you know, they were taken, able to reduce their homeless population by like 54%. But this isn't because they chased people away. It's because they built, you know, additional shelters, affordable housing, things of that nature, and put programs in place. Now, I don't want to leave this subject without giving you the opportunity to talk about a success here. Is, you know, we hear a lot of folks here in Allegheny County, they talk about our big nonprofits and their failure, perceived failure, to pay their fair share. But do you want to talk about the success story of UPMC, PNC, and AHN in Second Avenue Commons? Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, so it's a demonstration of collaboration, right? And a rocky administration will be one of collaboration. Let me, let me say that. But it is a demonstration of collaboration. It was, you know, PNC, UPMC, AHN, the county, you know, county services, mm-hmm. the city, uh, it's the city land that was donated to, to put the facility on, um, all coming together. Uh, Action Housing uh, was deeply involved, bringing a whole lot of people together in a way that was focused on an outcome. And that outcome was to help the homeless in Western Pennsylvania. And, and what did we get after agreeing upon the objective, having folks go understand what the best facility would be for Western Pennsylvania by actually going around the country, looking at what was working elsewhere. And that's what led to Second Avenue Commons, a low barrier shelter that allows individuals to come in and be treated and met at the door with what they need. In some cases, that's a room upstairs. In other cases, that's recurring medical services that are provided actually by UPMC. You know, our favorite punching bag in the mm-hmm. city, in some regards, as offering and as, as providing those services with no cost to the city or the county, right? It's a donated process that is going on. And so it is a incredible success story. We need a couple more. Uh, because we've got a big challenge in front of us. But it is a demonstration of collaboration. And I just want to reiterate, it is what the Iraqi administration will be. We will collaborate with all parties to do what's right for the citizens of Allegheny County. No, this is is great stuff here. And I can't thank you enough for coming in studio and talking to our listeners to sort of tell them about what your plans or ideas are for Allegheny County when they elect you to be the next county executive. Now, Something else that's front and center seems to be on the agenda all the time. It's the jail, the county jail, okay? And I know from having talked to you previously that you had said that you would intend to bring in experts to take and review the jail, you know, to look at all the processes and the things that are taking place and make recommendations from there. You know, I want to point out that some of the loudest noisemakers on the jail oversight board, they voted down the appointment of William Stickman III who is a gentleman who was a former warden 
and had 30-plus years of experience in the corrections field, who was nominated to the board by the county executive, they voted that down previously, okay? So they rejected actual expertise from somebody that had it that might have been able to offer solutions, you know, at the jail. You know, I was given a name. I don't know if you've ever heard or you met with uh, John Wetzel, who was a three-time Pennsylvania Secretary of Corrections, you know, serving under both Republican governors and Democratic governors. But he now uh, owns a consultant company, and he's somebody that you would think would be able to come in and look at this and make the right recommendations for us. What do you think? What are your plans? So, so let me start with, Sam, one of the most important things in good leadership is to know what you know and know what you don't know. And don't try to be an expert in a space where you're not an expert. Right. And so, you know, I will just start off with, I have a lot to learn about the jail. And so when I say it would be valuable for the county as a whole, but me as a county executive, to understand an assessment of what is working and what's not working and take the noise out of it, get the facts, get the details, right? So, you know, it is a concern that so many people have died in the jail over the last several years. But do we fully understand the causes? Do we know what we need to change so it doesn't keep happening, right? By the way, one of the causes is overdoses in the jail. And do we know what we're doing to, to slow the flow of drugs into the jail? Because you can only have an overdose if the drugs actually got into the jail. And so having said that, it's breaking things down and not just focusing on the headlines. So I don't know the particular individual you mentioned and the consulting firm. But what you want is experts mm-hmm. to give you insights and to challenge what you're doing uh, you know, and, and understand what your options are to improve. And then the second thing you have to acknowledge is things occur in an incremental manner, right? And so to the best of my knowledge, you don't get the opportunity to just, you know, wave a magic wand and everything changes. By the way, if we could, I'll go back to energy for a second. We'd have waved a magic wand and everything would be fine, right? But in the jail, it is going to be an effort to change and transition to an environment that's a little different than what it is today. But you have to know you're working on the right things and you need insights to make sure you're doing that. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You have to benchmark where you're at today, you know, before you're able to understand or accept recommendations of where you want to go and then lay out a plan to get there. That's right. You know, and, and, if I just, and everyone's voice matters, right? The, the, the leadership at the jail's voice matters. The inmates at the jail's voice matters. The folks outside the jail have a point of view on the jail. You know, their their opinion matters. The guards' voice matters, right? We have to keep the mm-hmm. safety of our guards in mind as well. All of those voices need to come together in what is, by definition, a very complex environment for reason, right? I mean, Absolutely. there's a reason people are being incarcerated, and we have to make sure we understand what we're trying to do. No, I couldn't agree more. Look forward to your leadership, you know, on that issue. Again... More issues here at the county, okay? Something that's been front and center in the news recently has been something called the CLR. For folks who don't know, that stands for Common Level Ratio. The last assessment that was done in Allegheny County was back in 2012, and that assessment was done. And then after that, what happens, people buying properties after that, you know, sometimes the assessment on those properties is being challenged by local school districts or municipalities hoping to increase their assessments so that they can receive additional tax revenue. 
I mean, frequently, you know, solicitors for school districts, this was an easy target for them. So what would happen was you would take, if you bought a property for $100,000, you would go to the county, you know, or, and it, if it was appealed by a solicitor for a school district or municipality, they would take and say, okay, we're going to apply the CLR to that. And it, the county had previously been using a number of like 81.2. So they would say, okay, you bought the property for 100000 but we're going to take and assess it at $81,200. Okay. Well, what happened was a number of property owners got together and challenged that and felt that they were being overcharged, and lo and behold, they were. In a case before Judge Hertzberg here in Allegheny County Common Police Court, which then went to Commonwealth Court, you know, it was decided that Allegheny County had been overcharging or had been submitting data that resulted in a much higher COR being charged than it should have been. So this has affected people that have been buying properties for at least the last three to four years. So in 2022, when this case was challenged, it was taken to court uh, and they won in front of Judge Hertzberg, Allegheny County Council extended the deadline for those folks to appeal. So then the city of Pittsburgh, they have took and appealed the ruling of Judge Hertzberg, which went originally went to Commonwealth Court. They lost in that ruling. And now it gets to the bottom line is a new CLR has been ordered for 63.2 for Allegheny County for the year 2022. And I believe it's down to 54 point something for 2023. Okay. So, you know, what would you do and how would you handle getting to the bottom of this and understanding, you know, how this data came to be uh, mistaken and just try to fix it so the property owners going forward know that they're being treated fairly. And while we want everyone to pay their fair share, we don't want anyone to have to pay more than their fair share. Yeah. So Sam, the common level ratio uh, is complex, you know, just listening to you describe it and I understand it and it's complex. Um, but fundamentally what it's there to do is to make an individual who lived in a home in 2012, who still lives in that home, that home is going to be valued at its assessed value in 2012. If your neighbor, whose home was exactly the same, sold their home in 2016, they should be adjusted down to the value of 2012 because that's what we're targeting is 2012. And because the data was mismanaged, and I'll use the word mismanaged, for multiple years, the common level ratio was set higher than it should have been. So when I sold my home, the new person coming in was multiplied by 81%, which is a bigger number than if they're multiplied by 63%, right? Simple Mm -hmm. math without getting into any specific numbers. And so the people who've bought a home in the last six or seven years have been paying more than their fair share. They've been paying more than their neighbor who's still paying on a value of 2012. And so my opponent has been very clear. She would suggest a entire countywide reassessment. And I've been asked the question, just like you ask, what would you do? And I will tell you what I would do. I would not do a countywide reassessment. Uh, A countywide reassessment is a mistake in that it will lead to those individuals who've been in their home all this time, the, the, the older folks, the, 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 our, our, our people on fixed income, suddenly having their houses being appraised at a higher value, causing them to pay more in taxes, which is a, a bad thing for our, our city. It will cause transition in housing, it'll force people out of their homes because their tax bills are going to go up. I would not support a countywide reassessment, and I will not do a countywide reassessment. What I will do is go understand what we did wrong and fix what we did wrong so that those individuals whose homes, by the 
application of the common level ratio have been assessed too high that they get adjusted to what they actually should be and that they don't get stuck paying more than, as you said, their fair share of, of what is the responsibility for the value of their home, again, on a view of 2012. So again, a difference, you know, we started off talking about what well, the difference is between me and my opponent. I would not do a countywide reassessment, and my opponent has been very clear she intends to do a countywide reassessment. And what concerns me about that, about that intention to do that countywide reassessment, is I think that this is a grab at Allegheny County taxpayers' wallets. And I say that because, you know, her allies, you know, on county council, for example, the Democrat council member at large, Bethany Hallam, you know, is determined, you know, passed a bill out of committee that would raise the minimum wage for all Allegheny County employees to $20 an hour, okay? Now that includes the lifeguards, you know, the temporary part-time seasonal employees, uh, you know, the cashier at the pool that just accepts, you know, the give them the $5, the entry fee every time you come in for admission. Uh, to $20 an hour, she wants to make that the minimum, okay? Uh, the county executive released a press release the following day saying that that would require, you know, a $30 million tax increase, okay? These people have no respect or compulsion against, you know, just treating the taxpayer as like a piggy bank. I mean, it's like they it's like they skipped the talk with their parents about money doesn't grow on trees, okay? And when you hear your opponent go around the county talking about how she's going to invest in communities that she claims have previously been uninvested in, never explains it. I mean, it's a little bit frightening to think about what they intend to do. Yeah, so Sam, I, uh, just a, a little bit of my background. Many on this call, on this uh, show, know I've spent 25 years at PNC. As part of my time at PNC, a couple of the businesses that you know, reported to me for periods of time, one was our community development business, and you know our community development business was and is designed to help communities that need help. It's where you come in and you make investments in a community, and you support the development of that community. Right? That is. Private money coming in to improve a community with a desired end that the entire community is lifted because of the investment that is made in one piece of that community. Incredibly important, but notice I said private money coming in to do that. And organizing around good community development is critical to many of our communities inside Allegheny County, the communities we have forgotten and haven't been making the investments in. So a second part of businesses that reported uh, that I touched as part of my time at PNC was the affordable housing tax credit business. And while that business didn't report to me, I happened to be the CFO of that business for a <laughs> period of time. It was one of the things that were in my purview when I was a CFO at PNC for part of the business. And, and so I understand affordable housing tax credits. And that's how you get affordable housing built. Guess what? In that same community where you're doing the development effort. And you bring those things together to change the dynamics and the future for that community. By the way, back to and jobs. You bring investment, you bring manufacturing, you bring jobs to that community. All of a sudden, you've turned that whole community around. And by the way, I never increased the need for county revenue to do that. I worked with consensus and team building and private to cause a different outcome than we're seeing today. The answer isn't always tax one person to make somebody else's life better. Right, Rob Peter to pay Paul. The answer is to work together. Acknowledge there are communities that have been left behind, and I completely acknowledge that. 
But there are ways to go invest in those communities, and it requires leadership and a county executive who is going to bring those resources to bear to bring those communities and move those communities forward while at the core, number one thing, bring jobs to those communities. You know, Joe, I look forward to having you on a future show and to talk specifically about these sorts of things like affordable housing. I mean, we just saw the city of Pittsburgh, you know, try to raise astronomically their zoning fees, okay, because they know they're going to have a structural deficit. Um, and then, the, you know, they wanted to, I mean, by a thousand percent, they wanted to raise these things, okay? There, there is a significant gap in understanding between some of the elected officials who want to talk about affordable housing, you know, and demand that we provide more of it, and understanding, well, what's required and how they have to work with the private sector and these private money to be able to get these folks to come in and do that. Um, what would you do differently? Yeah, well, I'd love the opportunity. We could probably spend two days on that topic. But, you know, the, the, the thing to remember is there's a difference between affordable housing and government-owned housing, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the government can own housing and give it to folks and let them use it, right? So that's always an option. Affordable housing is an investment that results in the housing cost to the individual who lives there to be less than market rate, thus making it affordable in certain communities. Mm -hmm. And so, but that investment is almost always privately owned, supported by federal tax credits, which allow the investor to build the facility and have less investment dollars in it, and thus they can charge less to the individual who lives in the home. And so, it's, it's a big story. We could talk about it for a very long time. I'm happy to come back and go into detail with you. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back on that, Joe, because folks are going to need to hear a lesson on that. Folks, as always, we get into these conversations and we run out of time. Until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off for The Elephant in the Room. Have a happy Memorial Day weekend.